All he had to do to make this significant difference was tell people that God loved them. If they only could understand more of what God had said, they could embrace God's love for them and all would be well. Well, his first job was as a Christian counselor in the psychiatric ward of a hospital. So on his first day, he goes and he's standing at the nursing station waiting to introduce himself. And out of one of the rooms comes a woman in a pink bathrobe and slippers. She stands in the middle of the hall and says, I am Mary, mother of God. And Henry says to himself, this is going to be harder than I thought. <laughs> Sometimes we can feel pretty confident that God has called us to a task. And the prophets in the Bible show us that even when we have a strong sense of calling, it doesn't mean that the task will be easy. Now in the Old Testament, there are 12 small books in a section we refer to as the 12 Minor Prophets. But they're, not called, they're only called minor because their oracles are short, not because of their height or the type of men that they were. And uh, I made up a little song about them so that I could keep, them, keep track of them all. It goes like this. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So this summer, we're working through the books of these 12 minor prophets. Uh, maybe you've noticed, last week we were reading from Amos, and this week we're reading from um, Hosea. I like that these books are in the summer readings, because I think people who come to church in summer really want to be here. They really want to be here. And so, yeah, let's get into some of this tough stuff. Take you a wife of whoredom was the opening line, I think. We don't read these little prophets very much. There's a lot of wrath of God stuff in there. It kind of scares us. But they're an important part of God's word to God's people. And they're still relevant to today, but they need some interpretation. Now, most of the prophet books in the Bible start with a call. We have a, a simple man called by God to take God's word to the people. And sometimes the books, they record a little dialogue at the beginning, and usually it goes something like, Oh God, can't you pick somebody else? And God replies, I'll tell you everything you need to do and say. For Hosea, God had asked him to use his own life as a metaphor for what God wanted to communicate to his people. At this point in history, God's people had completely forgotten about God. They were going along their merry lives, figuring it all out for themselves. The worship practices that God had established, the praise for God's wonderful deeds, all those things had become lost in their modern world in the promised land. So God called Hosea because God wanted to announce that Israel was going to go through a historical change. A great shift was happening. God was going to change the world so that God's people would return to him. God was introducing a corrective 
to lead his sons and daughters into an enduring relationship with him. If God just sat around and waited for people to come to him, it would never happen. God always initiates the action. God brings the end of the old, the turning point, and the new. But when we come up to those turning points, it can be like suddenly everything you thought you knew is swept away, and all you're left with is, this is going to be harder than I thought. For Hosea, God said, your life is going to be a metaphor. You're going to marry a prostitute and raise her children. And Hosea fell in love with a woman who was unfaithful to him. And he continued to love her and seek her out and take her back. And over the, over the years, God used Hosea's life to say, this is how I love my people. People turn their back on God, and it's like God becomes the cuckolded husband. The shame, the pain, that's how God feels when his people forget about him and follow their own paths. Now we have to stop here, because in 2019, we don't think about marriage and children in the same way that they did in the time of Hosea. Our world is very, very different. We don't see women as property to be traded for personal gain. We don't see children as objects that bring honor and resources into our household. But that is how the ancient people viewed these things. Marriages were arranged. Strict protocols were followed. Israelite men were superior partners in the marriage. It was very important there be no whiff of scandal around the paternity of the sons because the patrilineal society demanded it. So when we read Hosea today, we have to remember not to trip over this metaphor that the story is using. The marriage metaphor isn't holding up across the millennia. What we, can, what we cannot do is think that God is a male husband and females are sinful and worthy of punishment. Because that's not historically accurate for what the prophecy was trying to accomplish. What we need to remember here is God is seeking a covenant relationship with us. And in a covenant relationship, the parties are unequal. One is more powerful, more dominant. A covenant relationship is not a meeting of equals. And so the marriage metaphor isn't working so much in 2019 because our marriages aren't biblical covenants of dominance and subservience. Our marriages and our society is striving to find equality among partners in life-giving and soul-enriching ways. But what the biblical covenant has in common with today is this conscious choice made between partners. God chooses us. God's covenantal love is a daring trust, a sharing of God's deepest self with us. We're invited to share our deepest selves with God. That's a relationship that can be harder than we think. The metaphor of promiscuity, the pain of promiscuity, is something we still understand. Broken promises cut us deeply. They cut into our sense of self, into our sense of worth. Even though God's people knew God's blessings, they were distracted by many things. 
to the point that God became frustrated with them. And in the prophecy, God says, I will punish them. I will not pity them. I will not forgive them. And worst of all, you are not my people. I am not your God. I am not your God. It's a statement of complete casting aside, disowning. The great I am declares, I am not. It's a scathing oracle. It's hard to take in that God could be so angry at his people. But don't we have to admit that sometimes seething anger is exactly what it takes to get a message through. We need scathing words, the frustrated rage of another to stop us in our tracks, to make us recalibrate. I have an example. I, I, I love the parenting style of being very gentle with your children, allowing them to explore the world. But you know, when, when my two-and-a-half-year-old great-nephew is reaching for the hot element on the stove, I'm going to yell. I'm going to yell. Thankfully, God's punishment and lack of pity and disowning doesn't last a single verse too long. Immediately, God offers the comforting reversal and a renewal of God's covenant. Yet the number of the people of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which can be neither measured nor numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. Children of the living God. That is our favorite metaphor for God. God as loving parent, turning from wrath and anger, forgiving and restoring God's wayward prodigal sons and daughters. So what does it take for us to be moved to action? This minor prophet has a major message of hope for us, and it's this. God has invested in us. God has made an investment in every one of us. God has claimed us as his sons and daughters. Yes, things are going to be difficult, but God's tender care will prevail. Henry Cloud learned that telling people about God's love wasn't the end of the story. For the good news to make a difference, we have to respond to it. We have to enfold it into our life story. The people of Hosea's time, and frankly, the people of all times and places, struggle with the temptation to gain independence, to take control, to become the judge and the maker of the rules. But how's that working for us? Because often the harder we work at stuff, the more stuck we get. So let's go after the Lord. Let's seek the Lord in the same way God is seeking us. Hosea says later in the prophecy, they shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. The Lord is roaring like a lion. And this is what he's telling us. First of all, it's up to each one of us to make God the source of our lives. When we're faced with a difficult problem, Every one of us has a toolkit of resources that we use to find an answer. 
We might call a friend and ask for help. We might do a bunch of Google research or read a book. We make a doctor's appointment. We see a specialist. We go to Canadian Tire and find a new tool. But all of these solutions place ourselves as the source. So in addition to that, every day of our lives, we need to make sure that God is the source of everything. God is the source of our love. God is the source of our resources. And as our source, God gives us life and growth. And secondly, God has created us to be in a relationship, in a relationship with him. God is not some distant other that wants that we make sacrifices to in order to please. God wants us to be vulnerable, to be open with God and with each other. That's what the people in Hosea's time had really forgotten. The self-sufficiency model is so hard to break out of. But the model the prophet reveals to us is that we were made to help each other and to receive help from God. God used Hosea's life and Hosea's words to make us sure that his people knew he was never going to give up on them. And when we look at our circumstances, we can see it too. There's going to be trouble. This is going to be harder than we thought. We were baptized into a community of faith. We've professed our faith together. We've become a community of Christ Church here in Vernon. We gather faithfully in worship every week. We pray for one another throughout the week. We care for each other. We follow up. We suffer together. And we get bad test results from the doctor. We get a horrible phone call about a traffic fatality. Our marriages don't quite hold together. A dear friend passes away. We argue tooth and claw. We hurt each other. This is harder than we thought. I confess that being a Christian is harder than I thought. Being a minister is harder than I thought. And I knew it was going to be hard. And then I read this imagery from Hosea of God who loves us and calls us children of the living God. God teaches us to walk and takes us in his arms. God heals us without us even knowing it. God binds us up in his love, holds us to his cheek, bends down to feed us. Who would turn away from this kind of compassionate love? So let's be ready to give our hearts to God and no longer run after things that cannot satisfy. And to God be all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen.